You are listening to Wilhelm, a film-centric podcast for film lovers of all kinds. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Wilhelm. I am your host, Ben Beck, and this is the premiere episode of the show where we talk movies, movie themes, film franchise discussions, movie deep dives. We just talk film uh, and we're starting big on this first episode, diving into what we feel are some of the most some of the top most essential films every cinephile movie lover should see. But I need a guest to help me do that. And I couldn't think of anybody better to bring in. Uh, for a first co-host with this. Uh, he's my friend. He's a fellow podcaster. Uh, he is Jason Cabassi. I'm so honored that you asked me to do this. This is really cool. And I think this is a great idea. And I know you have some amazing topics planned out, like maybe 75 or 80 or more. <laughs> I think it's more than and that. They're actually. all exciting. And so this is, yeah, really cool. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's we're, we're both veteran podcasters. We've been mm -hmm. we've both been podcasting for a long time. So it made sense for me to bring in somebody who has done this before. Um, not to mention the fact, you know, we've we've become pretty I'd like to think we've become pretty good friends over the past couple of years since. We Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we have a lot of the same tastes and a lot of things like. You know, but some gaming. different though so so it'll be interesting yeah i mean that's one of the reasons i mean and this is a pretty daunting topic to take on for the first episode yes <laughs> <laughs> it is and i have a few caveats by the way um on my list okay that, no that's fine yeah because okay. i i definitely have i think i have more honorable mentions than my top five <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely five. i mean i just i i feel like essential films that people are so different and 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 tastes are so different that i don't know if you could pick five movies that everyone would like but i just i picked ones that i feel like if i find out the person i'm talking to hasn't seen it i just will like no i really you really got to see this you know yeah, that's like that also i i i wanted to vary my list so there's one in particular that i left off that's really dear to my heart but i felt like it was a little too similar to one of the other ones so these are five essential films for sure i don't know if they're my very like my top five may change from day to day but yeah these are five films that i feel like are really essential yeah and that's that's how that's how i approached the list too is basically you know you have those movies where somebody's like oh i've never seen dumb and dumber really okay you've never like it's it's worth watching like but my top list is that's like number those... one on my list by the way no, no okay well okay <laughs> no i no i'm just kidding i mean it could have been like debbie does dallas and i would have like <laughs> right. you know. cannibal holocaust cannibal holocaust um <laughs> I feel like somehow I have to fit that into an episode because we joke about that so much. Don't make us watch it though. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to watch it. Uh, but no, like that's what I did too. Like the, the movies that are on my list are ones that where if somebody told me they had never seen it, they're the ones that would elicit the biggest reaction for me. Like yeah, the like, biggest what? amount of shock. Like what? You've never seen this no. movie before? Like resolve that tomorrow. Like you have to do it. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a daunting topic, but I feel like you and I are up to it. 
if you look online at like most essential <laughs> movies, most of those lists are like a hundred movies. Yeah. And we're and we're narrowing it down to five. Right. So and I, I also I was like, you know, they always have the same top five of those. And I'm not going to name them in case any of them are on both of our lists. But I was like, I'm not even going to think about what everyone else agrees. These are what I think. You yeah. know what I mean? Because like Citizen Kane is on everybody's list. Maybe it's on yours. It's not on mine. It's not on mine. It's not in my top five. <laughs> it's a, it's definitely an honorable. It's mention. worth seeing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's huge in cinema. It changed things, but I just haven't seen it since I was a kid, for one thing. And I I think there's one, maybe two on my list that if I mentioned them, people would probably be like, OK, yeah, I can see why that's an essential right. movie. But there's maybe two other ones on here that I know I've checked a couple of those lists and two of them on my list appeared on didn't appear on any of them. That's so, cool. you know, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So, but let's dive into it. Let's dive into yeah. our top five. Uh, before we get into it, we just have to let you know that neither Jason or myself has, we haven't talked about or discussed any of our choices beforehand. Uh, we didn't want to influence each other when it came to it, came to it. So I don't know any of his top five. He doesn't know any of mine. Uh, also a fair warning. If you haven't seen any of these movies before, there's might be a little discussion. So there's a possibility for spoilers. Yeah. Uh, be but prepared. Maybe we can avoid like any huge... Yeah, I mean, let's not let's not give away the ending of Sixth Sense if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> you know, which Sixth Sense is not on my list. <laughs> so that works out. Uh, but with that being said, uh, let's dive in. We'll kick it over to you first, Jason. Top five. What are you starting off with? Number five. Well, this is probably the film that most of all, if someone hasn't seen it, I'm like, I feel like if you haven't seen this movie at this point, you're making a statement because everyone else has. And that's star Wars. Okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if you find out someone hasn't seen that, I think they're just purposefully avoiding it. Maybe it's, if you haven't seen it yet, it's intentional. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Maybe we're getting to the age where it just people don't watch it that much anymore. But um, among the people that I hang out with. So um, I picked this because, you know, of course, it's 1977 written and directed by George Lucas. And it just before this movies were different. You know, it, mm-hmm. it really changed everything. It changed what the summer blockbuster was. It changed sci fi. It it. Uh, it's so great i mean before this sci-fi was like pristine and shiny objects and melodramatic cheese ball stuff i mean not all of it but a lot of it was and this was like a lived-in world and such a fully realized world that's what impressed me about star wars as a kid i just felt transported into this other world with so many details that were so fully realized that i felt like this place really existed and the acting is so uh, the the characters are so great and the the, the chemistry is so good among all these all these young unknowns even Harrison Ford wasn't well known and Mark Hamill I, and Carrie I Fisher think he was a carpenter before Star Wars or he something was, like that he was in American Graffiti which may have been his first movie i'm not sure but that was you know George Lucas's mm-hmm. big movie before this yeah so I don't know. I, I think it still holds up. I mean, maybe it's a little slow, but otherwise I still love watching it. Oh, I still do too. I mean, and you talk about a story and a tale that kind of still 
<clears throat> that's still alive today. I mean, we're still getting new elements of that story being told in, yep. in different forms, whether TV, it be animated, yeah. comics. And I think also that it, I don't, I, I really feel like they realized that they could make a lot of money off of big spectacles like this before this it was seen as some kids thing you know Pete, george lucas would tell his story and be and his uh colleagues would be like okay george whatever and now we have the mcu i don't think we would have the mcu without star wars what do you think no i agree with that i mean you're right <laughs> i mean it's star wars is such a legacy in itself that you're right it's such an expanded universe that intermingles with itself you know over the course of time that it, there's a lot of similarities to the MCU that you're probably right. Without Star Wars, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have the MCU. We wouldn't have the DCEU. Any yeah. any of these shared universes that we have right now, we probably wouldn't have without Star Wars. But even just like just like big blockbuster movies that have merchandising opportunities. This is the movie that made them realize they could make money off of toys, mm -hmm. you know, and so that just the money aspect of it influenced what kind of movies they were willing to put a lot of dollars into for special effects and like that, because they knew they could get a return off of this stuff. They didn't really know that before star Wars, I don't think. Yeah. And so that shaped, I really think the geek culture owes everything to this movie. Which, which is why I think it's kind of a shame that if you haven't seen it yet, like you said, if you haven't, you're, yeah. you're kind of making an estate, you're making a statement that you're intentionally not, planning to watch it yeah and um, people who are even people who are into geek culture haven't seen this and i'm like well this is kind of the seed but i also do think that like a lot of uh like citizen kane i mentioned before if you saw that it, in its time it would blow you away because it was so different but then it gets uh imitated so much that if you ha haven't seen a movie like this and go back and seen it you're like oh that yeah i've seen that a million times before well yeah you've seen it because it started here and everyone yeah. copied it you know i think the Star effect kind of gets to kind of feel yeah, yeah. The, the effect kind of gets diluted a little bit mm -hmm. because it's become a part of pop culture and become because it's become so immersive in pop culture but i saw it in the theater when i was six years old and i was so blown away by it yeah see star wars came out like about a year or two before my time um, I was born in 79. Star Wars was 77. So Star Wars has literally been a part of my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been so immersed in my life for so long that I can't even tell you the first time I ever saw it mm -hmm. because I don't remember. You I honestly always had remember. seen it. It feels like, yeah, it feels like <laughs> I, I, it was the first thing that was shown to me when I came out of the womb it was like, oh, <laughs> the doctor welcome to the world. Here's Star Wars. <laughs> da, da, the opening <laughs> scroll. Yeah, exactly. That's so, no, that's a good choice for, for number five. And I had a feeling that was probably going to be in your, in your top five. Given my desktop background here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People can't see it, but yeah, you have the, appropriately the stormtrooper falling off the the ledge which is when there is a wilhelm scream in star oh. wars <laughs> uh my number five is one of the ones i mentioned that i have not found on any list of essential movies that people should watch uh i am going with 1975's monty python and the holy grail nice this is to me this is just such a I mean, it's British humor and British humor is definitely not for everybody. Uh, I know people who have tried Monty Python and just can't get into it because it can be very it's at times it's very witty and silly. Other times it's very dry. It's it's an it's a mix of everything. And 
Monty Python kind of falls in between both of them. There are moments that are silly. There are moments that are dry. But there's so much brilliance to me written into this movie. Uh, prime example, using coconuts for horses. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, and if you watch any documentary, any story <laughs> or any story about the making of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, you you know that that was made purely for budgetary purposes. Yeah. But it worked. It's better than if they'd had horses. Exactly. It, it became yeah. synonymous for that movie. I mean, you see somebody clanging two coconuts together. If you've seen Monty Python, it's the first thing you think of <laughs> is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. My favorite is the, the night that gets all his arms and <laughs> the black knight chopped off. It's just a scratch. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> what are you going to do? Bleed on me? Yeah, there's yeah, so many. I it, love that movie. The best, it, it, the best Monty Python movie, I would say, by far, even though they're all great. It's it's a close one between Monty, Holy Grail and Life of Brian. Life of Brian is another it's great, great Monty Python movie. Mm. Um, and now for something completely different is basically just sketches. Uh, updated but yeah life of brian is fantastic but you're right monty python is to me it's the quintessential monty python piece yeah and i mean i love I mean, that show too I, I used to watch oh, the show i still go back it's and brilliant. watch flying circus from time to time and some people just don't jive with it and i i kind of get it you know it's a very particular kind of humor but if you do then you're happy watching it yeah it's one of those it's again it's one of those movies that if somebody tells me they've never seen it before i'm like okay do me a favor and just watch it once. Yeah. Just try it. Yeah. Cause you may thank me for the rest of your life for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I love that choice too, because it's so uh, unique to itself. You know, it, it, you can feel the brilliance of it and, and the uniqueness. And I think a few of my movies are like that too, where only the people who made it could have made it kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And I feel yeah. and one of mine that didn't make my list and maybe it made your, so I'm sorry if it, if it did, but um, I'm going to mention it anyway, that I feel like is, is kind of an American, maybe not an American version. Can I of guess this, what it is? Yeah. Blazing Saddles. No, but I love Blazing Saddles okay. and Mel Brooks and uh, my favorite is Young Frankenstein, but I was going to say Princess Bride. Yeah. It's not you know, on my list, but it has a silliness to it. And I love that movie. I almost had oh, it yeah. on my list. I, I adore that movie. I mean, that's one. <laughs> Yeah, we're, I mean, we're going to mention some honorable mentions as we yeah, go that's along. Fine. So, yeah. Uh, but Monty Python being my number five is just one, again, just it, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Again, it's British humor. It's not for everybody. Just try it and you might like it. And like Jason said, you might thank me for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you? Number four. My number four is 1999 David Fincher Fight Club. Good choice. I didn't which... even think of Fight Club. Adapted from the Chuck Palahniuk novel, it's uh, Edward Norton and Brad Pitt. Before this, I thought, yeah, Brad Pitt, pretty boy. He's he's good. He's good in Thelma and Louise, but he was brilliant in this. And Edward Norton, I always thought was brilliant, but this and Helen and Bonham Carter, Jimmy Christmas. And um, <laughs> I just think it's so for me, I was kind of uh, when I first heard about this movie, I thought Fight Club. It sounds like a genre. Claude Van Damme fighting movie, you know? Okay, yeah, sounds like Street Fighter. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and or Bloodsport or something. But um 
it just blew me away right from the start. It was so visually inventive. It starts out in even right from the opening crawl. It's inside the narrator's brain's fierce centers. And then the camera comes out through his pore and down the barrel of a gun that's stuck to his mouth in his mouth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so creative and it's edgy and it's darkly funny, which I love. And it's uh, you're not quite sure what's going on a lot of the time. And, it's um it's meta like he'll when they talk about uh how they splice uh tyler the main character tyler played by brad pitt used to be a projectionist and he would put stick in one frame of something really disturbing into the film so that people would subconsciously get it but then you go back and watch the film again and you realize that they've stuck tyler durden in a couple of frames early on stuff like that exactly what he's talking about what he did to other people is what they're doing to you the entire time yeah and meatloaf is in it and it's just it's funny and dark and then there's a fucking twist that killed me and i even though i didn't totally know whether that twist made sense i just loved it because i was so invested and all in on the movie at that point and there's there's one thing about it i feel like it's um some people don't like it because they feel like it's a it's sort of you know toxic masculinity kind of a movie but I feel like that's misunderstood and that it's actually uh, uh, they, they kind of fail at what they're trying to do. And I think it's kind of against toxic masculinity, but um, you could have a debate about it. It's really thought provoking too, which is another thing I really like about it. It's entertaining, but it's also thought provoking. Yeah. That, yeah. Fight Club's one of those movies that I, I love as well. And it's one of those ones, it, like you said, the twist at the end, which we won't spoil for anybody who hasn't seen it uh, was one that I, I did not see coming just like many other people who saw it. Uh, But it's also one of those movies that like, I know some people when they have a movie that they absolutely love, they have no problem watching it. Every opportunity they get fight club is one of those movies that I like to preserve. So I'll only watch, I'll watch it sparingly. Mm. Like, you know, if like, if I'm in the mood to watch something, I won't go like, Oh, let me watch fight club. Cause I've seen it a hundred times. I've, I've only seen fight club maybe a handful of times. Because you want to keep I, the impact of it kind of yeah exactly mm-hmm. um you know when you it's like for the reason like i i got tired of this is a weird tangent to go on but like one of the reasons why i got tired of a christmas story as a as an essential christmas movie you saw is, it like 125 times well and it's because like networks like tnt play it for 24 hours straight <laughs> And there are some families that will keep it on the entire time. It's like, well, you're kind of taking away the magic of the movie by doing that. Yeah. You know, that's funny. That movie actually almost had the reverse for me. I saw it. I think I probably saw it when it came out in the eighties and I was like, yeah, that's all right. And then um, I didn't think about it, but then it became this cult classic that was on, like you say, marathons Mm -hmm. and everybody seemed to love it. And so I'm like, okay, I'll watch it again. Actually, that's pretty good. And then it came on again and, the more I saw it, the more I'm like, all right, this is a great movie. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) But I know what you're talking about though. Yeah. In fact, I hadn't seen fight club in a long time, even though it was one of my favorites. Cause I don't, these days as a grown up, I don't, or as as an adult, I don't tend to watch (laughs) the same movie over and over again. Like I did when I was a kid more, just probably because I have kids and I'm busy and everything. But anyway, I, I podcasted about it recently and I was like, I hope this holds up because I hadn't seen it in like 10 or 15 years. And I, and it totally did. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe that's what I do, too, is I, I kind of go back and I'm like, maybe that's what like I'll wait a particular amount of time before I watch it because I'm trying to check in my head if the movie still holds up to what I remember it being. Yeah, 
There's some movies that I still adore from when I was a kid that I haven't gone back and I'm almost scared to because they might not hold up. I I have a movie on my in my top five that I I haven't seen in probably about 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know from the number of times I've seen it, it deserves to be on this list. Cool. So, um, yeah, cool. Good choice for for number four. My number four is a more recent film. Uh, mine is Baby Driver from 2017. Nice. Love it. That's uh, in my honorable mentions. Yeah, directed by Edgar Wright. This this movie to me is it's a clinic in filmmaking, um, especially when it comes to intermingle when it comes to making the sound and the music a character itself in the movie. Mm-hmm. It feels uh, like the whole movie's a song almost, like it's all in tempo. Yeah, I mean, and that's like, I, oftentimes I tell a lot of people when they ask me, like, what what should I expect when I watch this? I'm like, well, do you remember that scene from Shaun of the Dead where they're they're beating on the guy in the in the Winchester to don't, you know, to don't stop me now by Queen? And they're like, yeah, rhythm <laughs> of the music. I'm like, picture that the entire movie because <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, you know, everything from doors closing to knuckles pounding on a desk to gunshots everything is done in tempo and to the rhythm of the soundtrack in a way that feels cool because it reflects on the coolness of the main character how how he does his driving and it's amazing yeah yeah i mean not to mention the fact too i know i i i was on a podcast with you i think at last year at this point it seems like yeah it it wasn't that long ago. ago yeah yeah where we talked about our favorite directors and such and edgar wright was one that came up Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he he puts on a masterclass when he directs a film. This Not movie, ev- I love like the Cornetto trilogy, uh, Shaun of the Dead. This one feels like the most where you feel like every frame is paid attention to. I mean, they're all great, but yeah, it, it just feels the most tightly put together, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, when you look at the Cornetto trilogy, they're they're kind of pop culture esque, you know, zombies to action film and aliens, you know, with the world's end. Scott Pilgrim is a, basically a video game come to life. Baby Driver is that one that kind of feels like it's out of place amongst his other films. But yeah, when does, you watch yeah. it, you definitely see his style still a part of it. Yeah, in a, in a podcast that we're doing here about essential films, that feels like the one to pick. And I, I would have picked that one too out of all his, even though I love them all. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, but again, that's that's one of those ones. It's it's become a little rougher to watch, but not because of anything the movie did, but because of one of the people that's in the movie um, was in with namely Kevin Spacey entitled mm. in, a, in a little controversy. And sometimes depending on the controversy, you can make anything that actor has done difficult yeah. to watch and enjoy. Um, but I'm able to put it past it to watch Baby Driver. I it's mean, just, for the longest time, one of my favorite, it still is one of my favorites, was American Beauty, but it's ruined now. Yeah. <laughs> because that's Kevin Spacey. And plus, you go back on it and it's like, wow, that's way more problematic. Oh, American than Beauty, I especially. Yeah, especially. <laughs> but I still, I still appreciate it. <laughs> but ke- luckily, I mean, when it comes to Baby Driver, Kevin Spacey's not as big of a part of the movie yeah, right. as anybody else. So he's a secondary character. It's kind of easy to get to, to get past. So, uh, number three from you. Number three is another one that one of my favorite directors I had to pick from their whole oeuvre, but it wasn't hard because it's Fargo. 
And Fargo is one of my favorite movies of all time. Came out in 96, written and directed by the Coen brothers, Joel and Ethan Coen. And it's, um, it's really interesting because it's all this, it's a snowy landscape. The whole thing is like the whole movie is just whiteness with like one figure in the middle and it's also kind of slow paced. Mm -hmm. And so you'd think maybe it would be boring or no good, but they just know how for me anyway, to capture my attention through the whole thing. It's William H. Macy who plays Jerry Lundegaard and uh, Francis McDormand as Marge Gunderson, the very pregnant cheat police chief (laughs) and her husband is John Carroll Lynch, who was Eastman on walking dead and twisty the clown. Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormare play a couple of thugs that were so great together, like the Laurel and Hardy of thugs. I, lo- I love Buscemi in that movie. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's so great in that movie. That's I think that might be my favorite of his. Um, I just like the unique feel of it, the the deliberate pace, the and also just the um, William H. Macy was so good in this, and his character is such a weasel, but in a way where he got himself in way over his head and he just keeps getting worse and worse it's almost funny their films are are also kind of darkly funny to me but um i you can sort of identify with getting in over your head and but still this guy's such a nudnik that you feel like he deserves (laughs) probably everything he gets you know yeah yeah i mean and you're right it's it's weird that it's it's a dark film like as far as subject material and and the story that's being told and but people getting put in wood chippers and, and the, stuff like that. people being put in wood chippers <laughs> but it's it's one of those films too that like you're right with the snow in the background it oddly brings a brightness to the <laughs> film as far as environmentally like it's very bright because you know anytime the sun shines on snow it becomes very illuminescent and you know, so it's almost like the snow itself adds this brightness and chipperness to a this very contrast. dark movie. Yeah, and and Francis McDormand's character, who's just so chipper and sweet, and yet super capable and sharp, and yeah. someone you don't want to have as an enemy. She's just a, such a good character, and because Francis McDormand was super pregnant during the filming, they're like, okay, your character's pregnant, fine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, so I love that. Of all, I I really like the Coen Brothers a lot. I think. Um, no country for old men is probably my second favorite and i like most of their movies a lot but this one is my favorite no question it's it's definitely up there um i almost i almost added raising arizona to my top Mm -hmm. five that's up there for me too um but i I I haven't seen that in a long time yeah oh i haven't seen it in a while either and actually just listened to a podcast the other day where they were um uh i was listening to a podcast with where ed helms was giving like uh, his list of the uh the three movies that changed his like that changed his life uh and raising arizona was one of them mm. so and i was listening to it yesterday and i'm like wow i really want to go back and rewatch raising arizona now because yeah. of what i heard him talk about but fargo is definitely in my top three uh of cohen brothers oh, along really? with probably lebowski mm-hmm. um and you know what it I, I don't think it gets as much credit as it should, but Oh Brother, Where Art Thou is just... Oh, it's so good. Yeah, no, It's no, no, no. so that's, good. That's great. And that really made me appreciate... Um, what the hell is his name? The main guy? Uh, George Clooney, even yeah. more than I already did. He just knocked it out of the park with that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, my number three, this is the movie I talked about before that I haven't seen in probably over a decade, but I feel like deserves to be on here. And this is one of those ones too, that if you know me, 
you'd kind of be surprised to hear me mention this movie because I don't think I've ever talked about this movie uh, in any chats or anything we've done. But um, Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, Nineteen thirty-nine, The Wizard of Oz. Good one. It, it's a movie that I think, when you look at everything that happens in that movie, and you look at the way it was filmed and the way it was shot and everything, in my opinion, it's a film that still holds up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's been what eighty years? If uh, maybe not eighty? No, eighty years. Yeah, almost. It's been it's like insane. eighty, eighty-one, yeah, eighty-two 80. years. Yeah since that movie came out and in my opinion still holds up it's one of those movies that if i ever if i'm ever really really down and i need to feel good for some reason like if i'm and i'm i don't mean like depressed or anything like that but like if i'm sick i'm under the weather i'm feeling mm. really miserable and i just want to sit on my couch and i want to watch something to remind me of my childhood that's my go to is the wizard of oz yeah, I mean they they started playing this on network TV every year when I was a kid, so I watched it every single time, and yeah. it was fan- fantastic. But uh, I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid, so I don't. You're saying it holds up. The only reason why I'm not agreeing with you is because I haven't seen it, but I loved it as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's fine. But like, I'd like I, to watch yeah. it again. Yeah, like I said, I haven't seen it in probably ten to fifteen years. But it's it's big in the culture too. It's clearly influential. Yeah, we still people still talk about it. People still talk about it. I've I've seen I've been to conventions where I still see people cosplaying as Dorothy Gale. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the images are still in in my head too. The flying monkeys and the witch melting and well, and I think they're unforgettable images too. I mean, the imagery in the movie is so well preserved. (laughs) The cowardly lie. Put them up. (laughs) Um, You know, those images are so well preserved, not only in the film, but in our minds that I don't, I think it's a movie that's going to last. I don't think it's a movie that will ever be forgotten. What's your favorite character? I've always been a fan of the Tin Man. I don't know why. Yeah, me too. Yeah. He didn't have a brain. (laughs) <laughs> that, well, oh, wait, no, no that was heart. he didn't have a heart yeah scarecrow didn't did. have a brain he totally had a heart come on <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i mean and it's it, when you look at like i don't like to compare like ratings or anything like that but you know when you look at like metacritic or rotten tomatoes or imdb it's almost a perfectly rated movie mm-hmm. um and i think rightfully so Makes so sense, i yeah. i think it i think it deserved to be in my list of top five Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think if if someone hadn't seen that, I would t- I would tell them to go see it for sure. And I feel like all the movies in my on my list for me anyway, are near perfect too. Mm-hmm. You just you mentioned that they had perfect ratings for me. They are. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm looking at my list and yeah, I definitely feel like they're all probably pretty high rated. Mm, yeah, Holy Grail, I'm pretty sure is pretty high rated. I'm not going to question that one. So anybody who isn't doesn't rate it high, just doesn't know where it's at. Shouldn't be a critic. <laughs> they just shouldn't be a critic. <laughs> uh, I'll send it back over to you. Number, Number two. two. Yeah. I feel like this one might surprise you. It's the Breakfast Club. Yeah, it surprises me a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm not too surprised because I f- I agree with you 100. Yeah. percent Cool. Yeah, I, I mean, John Hughes, for me, 
I was a senior in high school in 89. So that was like peak John Hughes time when he was doing these pretty in pink 16 candles and uh, the breakfast Fer- club yeah, here. Ferris Bueller, Ferris breakfast Bueller. Club, yeah. Ferris Bueller is my favorite John Hughes movie, but I feel like the breakfast club is more essential. Be- it's, it's the John Hughes movie. I feel like at least for the high school type movies that he made. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, when you look at the cast of characters as well, I mean, you know, Ferris Bueller is is fun. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. you have a guy who's skipping school. He's doing all these things that everybody wishes they could do, but they never uh-huh. get the opportunity. Where more as the Breakfast Club, every one of these characters is relatable to either yourself or somebody that you know. Yep. And I was, of course, Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> oh i was too i i absolutely was anthony michael hall and i you know of, of all these movies uh breakfast club is the only one i went back and rewatched because i hadn't seen it in so long and i wanted to make sure it deserved to be on the list and it does and and um i was sad only to see that okay the characters are uh, well, the act it's the cast is Anthony Michael Hall as Brian, who's the brain, Emilio Estevez, who's Andrew, the athlete, Ali Sheedy is Allison, the basket case, quote unquote, Molly Ringwald is Claire, the princess, and Judd Nelson is John Bender, the criminal. And the only thing I was, uh, there's a couple of jokes that don't age so well, but mostly it holds up extremely well. And the, one thing I was sad about, though, that I had forgotten is at the end, um, Ali Sheedy and Emilio Estevez end up hooking up and Molly Reenwald and Judd Nelson and Anthony Michael Hall is left by himself to write the essay for yes, everyone else. Exactly. I'm like, fuck you guys. <laughs> he's, he's the one that he's the one that ends up writing the it's like, okay, all these other people got something much of an good essay, out of to be this. Fair. It's just like two paragraphs, but <laughs> but still, like, even even at some point in the movie, I think towards the end of the movie, like Molly Ringwald's character says to Brian, like, well, we trust you. Like, yeah, on, like you're making the nerd do the work. You're manipulated. You- but he says that, too. He knows. But um, so I love this movie because it's uh, it's such a it's so evocative of the 80s. He really captured what it's like to be a teenager. And the cast is great and they were like the superstars of of the the day and also it all takes place in this one place but mostly in the library which is amazing like two level library but still it's like a play it's like a stage play and it's also it's all about these identities that i just mentioned the brain the criminal the athlete how kids get uh go off into their cliques and then they're sort of labeled with these identities but these kids who would never associate with each other are forced to spend time together and they end up breaking down those walls and connecting and realizing that they're all more alike than they thought which sounds cliched but it's just done as perfectly well as you think and the tone is great it's funny but it's also um grounded enough that it moved me to watch it you know when they talk it's also a lot about their problems with their parents and the pressures that they face Mm -hmm. and and they all have moments where they get to sort of reveal things about themselves and it's it's moving well, and at the really same time, it, it, there's also the reveal, like when you talk about, like you said, the parents and everything, too, yeah. you kind of realize, you know, like, yes, each of these characters fits into a different type of character. But at the same time, we're also kind of realizing by their family life and their upbringing, what kind of drove them to be that kind of a character. You know, yes. we see, yeah. you the know, pressures we see, from home. Yeah, exactly. Like we hear Brian talk about his parents, about his grades. We hear 
you know, Bender talk about like getting burned by cigarettes. Like we, yeah. we see what drove these people to be the characters that they are. And one thing I appreciated watching it again, just today, uh, yesterday and today, Judd Nelson's character, John Bender, he's pretty annoying throughout. At least I found him annoying, but that's kind of the point that he, he's the co- sort of criminal outcast guy who pokes at everybody, but you need him in this movie because Otherwise, they would have all just sat there quietly through their Saturday detention and not (laughs) talked. And he's poking at everyone until realness comes out, you know, even if it's just in frustration with him. And he's really the catalyst, like the chaos agent that causes them all to sort of have an interesting day instead of just a boring day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's he's one of those characters that he's so interesting that. I mean, as much as he tries to come off like a hard ass the entire movie, there's kind of those moments where a a little bit of the heart that John Bender has underneath still shines through a little bit. Yeah. Um, And I think they wanted the character to have that, too. Yeah. Making himself making himself the sacrifice when they're about to get caught in the hallways. And he he has those moments. And that's uh, it, it shows the humanity, I think, in just about everybody. Yeah. And he also says at one point to the uh the asshole principal who I, I didn't write the actor's name down, but he plays assholes in a lot of movies. Um, Bender says, eat my shorts. And this was pre Simpson. So I yes, feel it was. Like they borrowed that from breakfast club. Yeah. For Bart. I'm sure they did. <laughs> but well, but, and a lot of places have borrowed from the breakfast club, you know, as far as like dancing on countertops and mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's just a, a ton of places that in pop culture that have taken from breakfast club. It's funny to me. There's some, like, like I said, there's some jokes that don't age. Well, there's a couple of gay jokes in there, but one reverse of that is they all smoke pot. And that's kind of one of the things that helps them open up. And that was way more stigmatized back then than it is now. Yeah. Now now it's a little easier to accept. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's a good choice. Um, Any, yeah. Anything uh, John Hughes is, I think it's a good choice. And mm-hmm. I think anything almost John Hughes is essential. Do you have a favorite John Hughes? Oh man. Um, I, I love breakfast club. I think I'm with you that I like Ferris Bueller a little bit better. I've I'm seen a, it more. For sure. I'm a big fan of home alone though. Yeah. <laughs> I, really I watched that with Nico recently. He loved it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a really. big fan of home alone and uncle buck. Yeah, I like Uncle Buck. That was uh, Macaulay Culkin's first. That was actually the driving force behind Home Alone. Yeah, he stood out in that. He was the scene where Macaulay Culkin is guarding the home with the mailbox slot. Um, That was actually one of those times that, you know, they said like, yeah, like this kid. That works. Let's build a whole movie around it. (laughs) That's pretty accurate. So cool. Yeah. So my number two. I'm sticking with the 80s as well. A little earlier 80s. My number two is going back to 82, and I'm going with E.T., the extraterrestrial. On my honorable mentions. Yeah, it's it's a movie that still to this day makes me tear up and mm-hmm. and cry. There is so much heart and emotion in this movie that I I don't think I will ever be numb to it. Like I, and I think anybody who is numb to it is needs to, I need, I think their heart needs to grow three sizes (laughs) because 
I just I don't get it. I mean, when you when you put in Steven Spielberg as a director with music by John Williams, I mean, you have two heavyweights right there behind this film that like it the film is it's impossible for the film to fail at that mm-hmm. point. And and it's Steve, just Steven Spielberg is you know one of the top people ever in Hollywood. And for me, I think I would pick this as his best. Maybe Jaws, but probably E.T. It was actually a toss-up between E.T. and Jaws, which one was going to end up in my top five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because they're both essential to me. Yeah, uh, But for two different... I mean, they're two completely different movies. Uh, so I went more with the heart over the, the scare factor um, and yeah. the tension. So, But I mean, like, there's just... Again, I mean, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Why I picked this movie is because there's so much heart and it doesn't matter how many times I've seen it, whether it's the, the original version or the remastered version, uh, you know, I, so they so they took away the, their guns in their Halloween costumes. So what? It oh, I didn't even know about that. Oh, yeah. In the in the remastered version, when they um for their Halloween costumes, when they're taking E.T. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they go. I think in the original version they go as uh, like a terrorist, oh, and wow. <laughs> they have fake plastic guns. Uh-huh. And in the remastered version, they changed it so that they go out as hobos. Oh my gosh! So they were, they were able to like CG that, or just they get were new able kid to take... actors, or no? I don't. So maybe I'm off by that. I I could be wrong, and maybe they didn't change the Halloween costume or whatever. But I know they, they the did. guns out at least. I so. do know they took the guns out at least. Hmm. Of the remastered version, because they didn't think it appropriate that kids kids were going out with guns. Yeah, so, yeah even yeah. if they were fake. Yeah, I remember watching this back in the day, and uh, this is going to be a little spoilery, but we can can we presume people have seen this, or should we I'd not? like to? Yeah, yeah, like we, we when... put the warning in the beginning that there could be spoilers. <laughs> yeah, there so. could be. So, you know, there's a pretty good portion of the film at the end there where it looks like ET's dead, mm-hmm. and as a kid watching this i was like so upset that i was telling i told myself okay because i had already decided by that when did it come out 82 82 so i was 11 i think i had already decided that i was okay if movies had sad endings um because you know not everything has to be a happy ending but when i was watching this i was like no if if he dies i'm never watching this again <laughs> this sucks <laughs> so it was such a relief when you know you see the glow and everything oh my god well i mean and you know what's so odd about that too is you talk about like it's it's kind of a first a, a first um instance of a of a child having to deal with the death of a character even though it doesn't come to fruition and he does survive he thinks uh, so though oh yeah but only only four years later transformers the movie comes out <laughs> and it is the first time a character is killed off in a kid's movie and stays dead right. you know because by the end of that movie we lose optimus prime which destroyed so many kids at that point because uh-huh. optimus was their hero throughout the entire run of the transformers <laughs> <You know? laughs> and in the, you know and by the movie they he's he's come he's killed off and he does not come back so but yeah that's that's an interesting take on it about like having to deal with death for the first time yeah or but i i'm glad they didn't 
leave him dead i i think this kind of a movie needs the ending that it got you know oh absolutely like it wouldn't be in uh, on i don't think you would have it on your list if et had just been dead no it would be a completely different <laughs> film yeah yeah i i think it might it it would have gone the way of mac and me i don't think i saw that but oh you're better off <laughs> you're so better off it was basically an et ripoff um that i remember that something about it yeah it became a running joke that anytime paul rudd was on conan o'brien and he came on and he said he had a clip of whatever movie he was promoting it was just a clip of mac and me <laughs> and he did that for he did that for probably like a good 10 years like he did it for anchorman he did it for this is or um this is 40 he did it for avengers he did it for ant-man like every time he would go on he would just show a clip of mac and me <laughs> and it was it became a running joke and it was hysterical <laughs> so uh that brings us to our number ones of most essential movies we feel we feel people should see uh i'm curious i i'm trying to figure out what yours might be and i don't know what's what's your number one it's uh transformers the movie no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no i i actually don't know if i think this is the most out of this list i i didn't necessarily put them in the okay. order of like least to most essential but the one i have left to talk about is mad max fury road oh which God. you may want to just call fury road that's fine we can just call it fury no road. it's 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 all it's all fairness it's it's your choice i'm not going to criticize and because i mean i do agree it's a fan, it's an amazing movie yeah my issue is more just with the title and not with the movie itself yeah, so for people who don't know, I, Ben and I have talked about this before, and you just point out it's not really a Mad Max movie. That, that's my thought on it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and it's interesting because, well, first off, 2015, directed by George Miller, who was 70 when it came out, and he co-wrote it. And a lot, most, almost all of my movies were at least written or co-written by the director, which I thought was interesting. But uh, it's Charlize Theron as Imperator Furiosa, Tom Hardy as Mac, Max Rakitansky, Nicholas Holt as Nux, and Hugh Keys Byrne as the villain in Mortenjo, which is interesting because he also played the villain in the original um, Mad Max movie. But um, one of the things I do like about this movie is that it subverts expectations. And I it, it, these days, subverting expectations among many quarters is almost like an insult. But for me, watching this movie, like he fails, Max fails to escape the bad guys in the beginning and gets captured. And then we don't see him for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what what is going on here what happened to the hero and then when he comes back he's strapped to a car with this metal mask covering his face and blood being drawn out of his arm and he's not escaping and i, I it really is furiosa's movie and, and, and Ma that's yeah, mad and max that's is really more like her point. sidekick yeah yeah and i and that, i love that because i wasn't expecting it and it was good i mean it has to be good i if you subvert my expectations and it's not good then i then that's I don't care, but if it's good, then I almost appreciate it more sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. 
But no, that's and, that's more of the point I was making when it comes to why I don't feel like it sure. is a Mad Max movie is because yeah. it is Furiosa's movie. It's not his movie. Yeah, I get that. But if it if they hadn't called it Mad Max, I'm th- I'm not trying to say that you should have a different opinion. But for me, if they hadn't called it Mad Max, then it wouldn't be subverted expectations because that's it true. would have been called Furiosa, and then I would have you know. But but in other ways too, like um, he, you might think this is a negative but i think tom hardy as he played mad max in this movie had almost zero charisma <laughs> especially uh, definitely not anywhere near mel gibson's level of charisma no <laughs> but he had a tense relationship with uh furiosa and it it seemed even more tense because of the way he played it which was very straight and intense and so when they did have any moments of connection or or um cooperation it felt more like a big deal to me than just some like quippy movie you know it felt like mm-hmm. more more um moving or something but um i it made also more of an impact yeah that's what i'm trying to say yeah made more of an impact and but uh i also like that in you know as far as subverting expectations in most post post-apocalyptic movies, things are like faded and washed out or dark, but this was like lush and rich colors. And I mean, it was a limited color palette, but it was very vivid and um, intensely colored yeah. and the orange desert and the blue sky and deep red explosions everywhere. And also the action that's like the main, I mean, the story was really simple, which I liked, but it was also uh, uh, you felt connected to the characters, especially Furiosa and all the the women mm. that she was helping escape. Um, so it was a good story, even though it was simple. But the action was just incredible. Like I couldn't believe it. I was so blown away by by the action. And and I know I think you're going to do a car chase episode of Wilhelm. Yes, right. Yeah. This would be my top car chase movie of car chase movies. If you oh, can count I- this one. I think you could count it. I mean, it's yeah. there's definitely a lot of cars and they're chasing one particular car. And I was just so happy to discover a movie. Like when I first saw it, I, I was like, can I, can I have this as one of my favorite movies when I, when I've just seen it, haven't had time to sit with it, but it's been six years ago now, believe it or not. But um, I quickly wow, really decided, I know quickly decided, yes, this is, I think this is my favorite action movie of all time really okay yeah that's so i know this is the one probably that you and i agree on the least that's fine (laughs) no no i don't want to say we we agree on this the least um again my only really issue with the movie is the title itself um Mm. and the fact that i i kind of think tom hardy's a little overrated but i mean other than that i agree with you the movie is very vivid the story is very simple but easy to follow which is good um and the action is amazing i mean i as much as I say I have an issue with it not being a Mad Max movie, I would still absolutely highly recommend this movie to that people watch it. Yeah. That people watch it. Yeah. It's just so there's so many great moments. Um, the water coming off of where Morton Joe is and everybody holding up their plates or when they get to that really creepy area where people like it's all misty and there's birds chirp like crows it's just like a work of art i feel like yeah no i can absolutely see that so okay that's it that's a good choice thank you um all right so my number one uh i went with the classic from 2011 the smurfs (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just kidding 
I am totally kidding. No, um, I went with I tried to avoid movies that are some of my favorite movies, but I couldn't avoid this one. Uh, not only do I think this is one of my favorite movies of all time, but I think it is absolutely essential for anybody to see. Uh, I went with 1994's The Shawshank Redemption. Great. For my number one. It mm. is my favorite movie of all time. And I don't think any movie has ever come close to topping it. Mm. Um, because of how perfect I think this, this movie is. Um, you combine you know, directing from Frank Darabont, who we know did later on did The Walking Dead when The Walking Dead first started in the first season, um, combined with the cast of Morgan Freeman playing Red, Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne, William Sadler, Clancy Brown, a, a, an amazing cast written by, I think, somebody who you and I would arguably say is one of the greatest storytellers of all time in Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it started out, it, it was one of his short stories, uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. turned into a full-length feature uh i read one that of, before the movie came out did you i, I see i didn't mm-hmm. read it until after the movie had already come out. um you know but you talk about a, a an amazing story that keeps you gripped and it keeps your attention the entire time with a an ending that you didn't see coming a, until all the pieces are laid out in front of you <laughs> And, and shown seems to you. The best e- endings are the ones that seem that are surprising and yet seem inevitable in hindsight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's one it's one of those movies that, you know, I, I guess kind of along the lines of this of the sixth sense is like like all the pieces are there, but you're not seeing you're not seeing them right away until the end when you see the the end you see the puzzle completed mm-hmm. and then they reveal all the pieces. Right. And even rewatching it, it still like it still astounds me that I'll rewatch the movie and I'd be like, "Yep, okay, like I know what's coming." But even knowing what's coming, it's still, I, I still love, I, I still love this movie. I adore this movie. It's That's one awesome. of those ones. Yeah, it's one of those ones I'll never get tired of watching. I actually have not, I don't think I've seen this movie since it came out, which is crazy because I loved it, but I need to watch it again. Maybe this is one of those ones that I was afraid wouldn't hold up, but clearly it does. Yeah. I watched so, it. Um, it. Again, it's one of those ones that kind of, like I mentioned with fight club where I'll, I won't watch it constantly because I mm-hmm. want it to still be impactful whenever I watch it. So right. I probably haven't watched it in about two years. Um, but maybe like every three or four years, I'll give the movie a watch Mm -hmm. and it holds up every time. I mean, again, no movie has come close to topping it as my favorite movie of all time. That's good. It feels good that you got to have this be your number one essential movie on your inaugural Wilhelm podcast episode. Yeah. I mean, it'd be weird (laughs) if I, you know, it'd be weird if I said like, it's my favorite movie of all time. It's uh twilight. (laughs) <laughs> everybody should see this movie yeah or you're like i don't really like twilight but this is my number one essential movie. <laughs> but it's my number one it's the movie that everybody but should watch i do get what you were kind of saying about like just be you want to make sure like there's some movies that i really like but i wouldn't put on this list right and mm-hmm. so but this is one that is you it's one of your personal favorites and you also feel like it's i, I feel like an it's a movie that movie. everybody yeah. should great see movie. at some point yeah Exactly. Tim Robbins is I, I love him the player I really liked him did you see that Robert Altman 
No, I don't think I have. It's all about Hollywood. And Robert Altman makes movies in a particular way. Well, he did Popeye, of course, right? Yeah. And uh, where he lets people improv and, and talk in the background. And it's it's got a lot of cameos. And it's a great movie. I, I would recommend you watch that, The Player. Um, and then this movie also makes me think of another one of my favorites that's like it because it's based on a Stephen King short uh, story. And that's Stand By Me, which is another yeah. one I haven't seen in a long time. And I'm afraid whether it'll hold up or not. Um, it's I, been I a while it since I've seen that one too. Yeah, it's it's been a while. I mean, Loved I do remember loving that movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, Sick another one. Chopper. <laughs> I mean, you talk about uh, you know, um, uh, Tim Robbins as well. I mean, another movie that he did that I love, which I don't think holds up nearly as much as Shawshank or some of the other movies we've mentioned, but The Hudsucker Proxy. Mm. Is it's another Coen Brothers. It's another Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, that I just I I love. It's it's you know. One that I will watch if I have the opportunity. I remember him being great in Bull Durham too. Bull Durham was really good. Yeah. Um, oh God, what are some uh, Mystic River? He was really good in. So it's good. I'll do a Tim Robbins episode eventually. <laughs> so which? Uh, so we didn't have any Marvel movies. Do you have a no. favorite? Mm. So if I were to put any Marvel movie in an essential watch. Um, for me, it would, I think it would be guardians. Guardians but, is up there. Um, yeah. I think maybe winter soldier. It's a great might be, one. Might be pretty high up there. Uh, mm-hmm. black Panther mm-hmm. would also be pretty high. Um, and infinity war and Endgame together. Y- yeah. Those, I guess. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're able to put those together, that is, they so captured the big comic book event in movie format. And I love yeah. those movies. I don't think you, I think if you were to add them to an essential list, I don't think you could separate them because you kind of need the payoff. Yeah. It's part one and part two. It's part to me. They're essentially the same movie. It's just part one and part two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly. like a seven hour movie, but oh well. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so let's, let's dive into some honorable mentions. Cause I'm sure we both still have a couple. Yes, Ghana got skirted off with some of the honorable mentions that you have that you would recommend to people. Uh, well, Karate Kid is the one that hurt me the most not to put on this list because <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies, you know, uh-huh. Cobra Kai. But I've been like Breakfast Club and Karate Kid on the same list. I can't do that. But I just love that movie so much. E.T. Pulp Fiction is is a big one. Pulp Fiction is a good one. Yeah. Um, I feel like that owes a lot to 70s movies that Tarantino loved, but maybe that doesn't matter i still feel like it's pretty essential the matrix matrix was one of my rec was my mm-hmm. one of my honorable mentions as well yeah night of the living dead um princess bride groundhog day is one that i love uh swingers i love that movie evil dead 2 boyhood which was uh richard linklater yeah filmed over 12 a years great movie so good uh if you guys don't know that who are listening to me, you should watch that. It's this movie that he filmed over 12 years with this young actor who we saw grow up in the movie. Yeah. Literally. It was really cool. Baby drivers on their Royal Tenenbaums. And just, you know, I could just probably come up with a list a hundred movies long, <laughs> but those are the ones I put down. Yeah. I don't have nearly as many uh, honorable mentions, but um, that's fine. I have uh yeah. So star Wars episode four, a new hope was definitely one. The matrix is one. Citizen Kane, which we mentioned at the top of the episode, is one absolutely I put. Uh, Apocalypse Now mm-hmm. is 
definitely an essential. I feel people should watch. Um, and that's one of the uh, ones that's on a lot of lists too. Yeah, the God, the Godfather is also yeah. on a lot of Every those lists. List. Yeah, uh, two thousand one, A Space Odyssey is on a lot of those lists, which I agree with. Um, I dare and, anyone to try and find a list of essential films that Godfather is not on. I know it's. <laughs> I mean, and if you it's put good. Godfather, if you put Godfather one on, you usually have to put Godfather two as yes. well. Because right. in my opinion, the Godfather two is better than Godfather one. Right, and I. I don't know if this is right, but it feels to me like 50% of the lists will have that swapped. So it's like half and half. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only other two I can think of off the top of my head, uh, Die Hard is one I feel is an essential watch for anybody who's a fan of action movies. Yeah. Die Hard is pretty much the bar that I put most other action movies at that, you know. Yeah. That, it's funny too. It's like, like uh, um, Mad Max Fury Road was for me, Die Hard 2. When you're watching it, you're like, wow, this is really good. But years later, when you realize how big of a movie it's become, you're like, oh, wow, I, I, I should have known that. <laughs> I, I don't know. You can't know in the moment, you know? Yeah. Or it reminds me of when I was working in a movie theater and um, Dances with Wolves came out, which was good. I liked it. And Good Fellas came out the same year. And Dances with Wolves won the Oscar. And now it's everyone would probably agree. Not everyone, but most people would agree. Goodfellas is the movie that probably should have gotten the Oscar. So sometimes they get it wrong in the moment, you know? Oh yeah. Um, I can't remember. Oh yeah. I had a similar experience. I remember um, I go to a lot of advanced movie screenings, or at least I did before the pandemic hit when they were still having them. Mm -hmm. And I remember they were having two screenings at the same theater and I had my choice of which one I wanted to go see. And it was either there was some big budget action movie coming out or it was hell or high water with Chris Pine um, and Jeff Bridges. And I was like, I, I want to see hell or high water. Like I don't need to see this big budget thing. I can go see that myself. Hell or high water is more interesting to me, to me. And then that big budget movie flopped in theaters and hell or high water got like critical acclaim. Mm -hmm. I was like, yep, I made the right choice on that one <laughs> to go see hell or high water instead. Which yep, I mean, it, it it wouldn't be on my top list, but that's a movie I would definitely recommend to people. And I like The Matrix is another one I saw and thought, wow, this seems really special. But you just, I guess I didn't know, you know, in the moment that this is going to be an iconic movie going forward, a big deal. Yeah. I, you can't, you, I guess you just can't really know that in the moment. I don't know. Oh yeah, I mean, if you told me, uh, you know, in '99 when The Matrix came out, that in 2021 we were still going to be getting another matrix movie yeah like that would be ridiculous to me star this wars you knew because people were getting married in line yeah <laughs> that's know? very true star wars that was when you knew yeah <laughs> oh yeah i mean star wars was i mean i think that was appropriate for us to start with um yeah you know when we did this list because that is sure. it's a quintessential film that people need should see yeah. At some point in their life. Uh, the only other one I have too that I haven't mentioned is Toy Story from 1995. It's great. Uh, you know, it's a great animated movie. Again, like E.T., it's got a ton of heart. And it really changed the, uh, like the future of animation. It was Pixar's first film. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we're seeing a Pixar film every year at, at this, I think pretty close to it, if not. I mean, and Pixar is one of those companies that, I can't wait till we get to the Pixar episode of Wilhelm because <laughs> they, I, in my opinion, they really haven't failed yet. 
Yeah, I can't they're think amazing. of a Pixar. I can't think of a Pixar movie I they're, didn't like. Yeah, there are a couple I didn't like as well, but there's so many. They're almost all I, I like almost all of them so much. And they're just so good. Wally, Wally's up there for me. Incredibles, Ratatouille. Those are some of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, all the entire Toy Story film series from one through four. I was one of those people. Go ahead. Was that? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I was one of those people that didn't think we needed a Toy Story four until I saw Toy Story four. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm glad we got this. I I liked it too, but Toy Story three at the end there when they're going into the thing, I was like. I, I was the same exact way i know like they're yeah they're in the incinerator and they're yeah. circling the flame and i'm like they can't die they're, they can't die like they're gonna so die uh, you Pixar, know well they're not gonna die you know that started out as um just a comp a tech company where they were making i think you know 3d rendering software and steve jobs what he was the CEO of that and Apple at the same time. And from what I've read, he, he, he almost tried to um, just put an end to the whole animation side of it. You know, they were, and so they started making these short films and entering them into film uh, competitions at, uh, and they would win. And so he's like, okay, all right, keep going with that. See where it goes. So it was touch and go there for a while. Yeah, but yeah, but look at the company now. I mean, yeah, hugely, well, he sold it to Disney for like four billion dollars or something. Yeah, and hugely successful. They've made their money back and then some. Yeah, so yeah, they're, that's they're really good. so that was a that was a good choice. Um, no, this was a cool conversation. I'm glad this was a uh, this was fun for the uh, for the first episode. Oh, good. So I hope so. I have I'm fun. Glad I, yeah, I'm, I did too. And I, I appreciate you coming on. And this was, uh, it's kind of cool that we didn't have any repeats on our lists. Yeah, that's, I, 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 I hope might. that happens a lot, but yeah. I'm sure it won't. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's definitely going to be repeats because, as you said, I've got a ton of idea. I got a ton of themes and film franchises that we're going to be doing over the course of the show. And what are a uh, couple that you're excited about, if you don't mind my asking? Um, so I'm, I'm excited about doing the the Edgar Wright episode because we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about Edgar Wright earlier on. Uh, I'm I'm excited to dive into the Back to the Future franchise at some point. I haven't decided who I'm doing that one with yet because mm-hmm. that's one that's you very need to close yourself to me. and have <laughs> yeah, yourself exactly. Be your own co-host. I need to I need to just ask the <laughs> Go record back myself asking and... a question and then <laughs> record myself answering it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of them. Um, I'm looking forward into. I, I think it's an episode that you're going to be coming back for at some point in the future, but the Robin Williams episode, yep. when we dive into some of the top Robin, our favorite Robin Williams movies, uh, looking forward to diving into like Tom Hanks and his career. Uh, one episode I just recently thought of that is going to be a rough one, but I want to talk about like our top saddest movies uh, moments in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, movies, moments that just kind of broke us. I heard you. T- we we play online games and then mention that. And um, you're like, you, I need to find someone who's emotionally stable to yes. host that one with. Me. <laughs> yes. I, I need someone who after that episode isn't just going to curl up in a ball and hide <laughs> from the world for a week. After we it's a good idea, it. though, because I always say I really love um, when I feel moved watching something. You know, even if it's sad, it, it it's 
if that, if it impacts me in that way, then I usually love it. Well, I mean, you meant, you know, we, we were just talking about Pixar, but up. I yeah. mean, the, the first beginning of that of movie. That, yeah. Like, it made me love the rest of the whole movie, even though the rest did not measure up to me. It was still fine. But just because of that first 15 minutes, I I think that's a great movie. Yeah. Like you wrecked me in the first 10 minutes. What do you got? <laughs> what? How are you no. going to fix it for the it's rest of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I mentioned at the top, you know, you're a fellow podcaster like myself. I, I can't go without letting you plug what you're doing. Uh, where can people, what have you got going on? Where can people hear you? Uh, let them know. Yeah. So I have the, the podcastica podcast network and I'm on two of those shows right now. One is the walking dead cast where we're covering fear the walking dead, which is a shitty show, (laughs) 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 but we have a lot of fun. You're devoted. You're still covered. I'm devoted at least to the rest of the season. And, uh, we have a lot of fun with it and, uh, we'll also be covering the, the walking dead, which we have since the show started back in 2010 and we'll be wrapping up at the end of 2022. So, and we, and during the off season, we do some, uh, horror movies and different things that are really fun. And then I'm also on house podcastica where we cover a whole bunch of different shows uh mandalorian cobra kai uh westworld and right now we're doing handmaid's tale i've got uh, daphne and wendy on there with me and that's an intense show but it's really really well done and we're we're having a good time covering that and you know just trying to treat it respectfully and we're getting a lot of great feedback so that's cool and you can find all of that at podcastica.com and another podcast on there is is yours which is a kind of a cross podcast with ben's network and mine the yeah, the, uh, the we have to go back. Lost revisited podcast, which mm-hmm. uh, which I do with Kristen, and uh, we um yeah we talk about Lost every week, and yeah we kind of decided from the beginning that that was going to be a little bit of a uh, a meld of both of our networks, and so far it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know, send people over there all the time. Yeah, I mean, and we send people to podcasting it too, so <laughs> it, you know it it works out. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, if you like what you hear on this program, whether it be this episode or the future, uh, be sure to leave a review of the show on whatever podcasting platform that you're listening on. The more reviews we get, the more people we can reach as far as an audience goes. Uh, also, be sure to follow Wilhelm on social media, facebook.com slash the Wilhelm podcast uh, and the, at the Wilhelm pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, finally, if you want to be a guest or you have an idea for a topic you want us to discuss, a film franchise you want to hear us cover, uh, you know, a film you want us to take a deep dive into, a debate you want us to settle, uh, just let us know by messaging me at any of the platforms I mentioned before, or you can email me directly at the Wilhelm podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's it. This was a, uh, I'm happy with this being the first episode of the podcast. Yeah, it was great. Incredibly happy. Thank you, Ben. That was great. Yeah. yeah. And, ah! you'll definitely... <laughs> <laughs> and you'll definitely be back. Yeah. So. Robin Williams and there's another one. I think Steve Martin was the other one we were going to do. I'm looking forward to that. We were going to do as well. So people will be hearing your voice again in the future. Uh, I'm looking forward to this podcast. I hope everybody sticks with it and follows along. Tell your friends about it. Uh, But until next time, thank you guys for listening. Uh, This has been Wilhelm and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 